Hello, my name's Nick, and I'm here with my co-host James. How are you? And today we're going to talk about the Orchard for the Ottawa Champions, the Can-Am League International opponents for 2019, tryout dates for the major independent leagues, and discuss the new teams for 2019, as well as those that folded after the 2018 season. So grab a bat and send them to the batter's box, because you're listening to the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, how's it going? Good, good. Feeling good. Yeah. Right. So we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. So oh yeah. Let's dive right into it. So right, we got go. the Ottawa Champions ownership situation. Yeah. Only reason this is really on the radar, I gotta say, is because I saw someone on Twitter asking about it. Yeah. So uh, we decided to cover it. And it's a good thing we covered it this week because there was an update on the 29th, and it was there hadn't been anything for nearly a year. Yep. So before we get into the current update, let's go ahead and just cover everything that's happened before it. Alright, so Miles Wolf is the lead owner, he's also the Can-Am League Commissioner. Then he has a history of baseball in Ottawa, as he owned the Ottawa Rapids and they just didn't do good financially, they didn't do good uh, on the field. It was an overall miserable failure. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't, it didn't result good. Uh, and starting around 2016, there was a look to go ahead and move the champions to a local ownership group. Uh, there was no real rush to sell. Wolf had been asked about this several times. Uh, the team's now entering its fifth year of play. It came about in 2014. So it's been this way for the vast majority of their short tenure in the Can-Am League. And that was really where it stood. There were some people kicking tires on the uh, team, but that was about it. But then we got an update just a few days ago, earlier this week, when Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, also known as OSEG, they entered into what they call a strategic partnership with the champions. Uh, OSEG is a fairly large local group for them. Uh, they own the Red Blacks, the CFL, the 67th of the Ontario Hockey League. They're one of the premier major junior leagues. Yep. And then the uh, theory of the United Soccer League. I don't really know much about the United yeah, Soccer League. I, I don't. No <laughs> yeah. So, so we don't really know much about that. But they do seem to have a local presence there. And in this deal, the champions will remain independently owned. So OSEG does not have the ownership of this of this team. Wolf remains the owner. And all they're doing is really helping in group sales to sort of generate. More like corporate outings, birthday parties, uh, large sale groups like that. Yeah, this is things. this is definitely a good, uh, hmm. good 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 idea for for the ownership uh, of the champions because if you look at it, you need to remove uh, a little remove yourself a little bit from everything the day to day operations. Obviously, it didn't work out the first time. Uh, you know, you bring back in, you know, the owner brings back another team in. And, I think it's it's a good thing to have this new group that seems to be working really well in other leagues um, and has experience, you know, a little bit more experience. And also because the the owner is is part of, uh, part, you know, the the commissioner of the Can Am League, it's it's important to make sure that there's a little bit of separation. Exactly. <laughs> you, want a you, don't bit want, of separation. you don't want to get any sort of a uh, any sort of conflict of interest there. But they're also going to help out with the corporate corporate partnerships, which yes. is something that's important too. Very important. This, because with the Can-Am leagues, it's really those sponsorships that are paying the bills. Yeah. Uh, you know, with major league sports, it's really TV revenue that drives the game. And obviously, you're not going to get anywhere with the uh, with just the price of the gate. You know, 
the toll right, dollars for yeah. the ticket ain't gonna do anything. And no. even though if you say yeah, two thousand seat ballpark, maybe you're half full most nights. And maybe. even then, how many people are buying concessions, buying stuff from the gift shop, and even then, how much are they buying? Right. So with OSUG involved now, it really does seem like uh, the champions have at least a bit more sustainability in the region. Yeah, they definitely have more sustainability now, and it's always good to have the outside operators come in and, and, and you know, make, exactly. it, make exactly. a play. <laughs> yep, and the, fact, the part of this that I like is that it's really just in the marketing and the sales division. It's really not in any sort of the team operations. It really leaves baseball out of it. It's just more or less the business end of it. That's what I like about it. The only thing I'm concerned about is that uh, the red-black season and the Fury season does conflict with the champion season. So I'm wondering, you know, how that's going to be divided up. On uh, the one article, which will be listed in the show notes, they said that, they being uh, OSEG, that they just want to go ahead and get more of a complete on the sports spectrum, that they're not going to be promoting one ahead of the other. It's all going to be equal. But I do have to wonder when you have a basically the third tier of independent league baseball in the Can-Am League team, right. how much are they going to get promoted over, say, you know, a major sport like the CFL is in Ottawa? So that that's something I'm going to be interested to see if that holds true. Yeah, that'd be a very interesting dynamic there to play with and see how that works out. I I don't know how that'll work, but I think at some point, um, you're right in the sense that the CFL is going to get more coverage over the Can-Am League, yeah. obviously. So it's how they split it up internally that'll be be a big uh, big difference. Exactly, especially because a lot of these independent league teams, they lose money. That's just something they do because it's just so hard to turn a profit. At what point do they go ahead and say, this is too much, or how committed are they? And I think that's something you're going to only be able to see as time progresses on. And that's good, uh, you know, and that's why it's good that Wolf's still the owner. I, I mean, if he wasn't the owner, if they were in the ownership stake, you know, then there would be a big difference. But with him still being the owner, they can, you know, get a trial run and exactly, see how they yeah. do before. You know, yeah, if you need before. to go somewhere else, you still can go ahead and find someone else. And I'm sure he's still looking for a permanent ownership solution in oh, Ottawa. Sure. Um, it's just right now you got to go ahead and build the team back up, especially after going from a uh, postseason run the year before to last year where you finished last in the league by, yeah. you know, about 10, 15 games. Yeah, they were poor last year. Exactly. They didn't play very good. Uh, but they have a new manager this year. They have, uh, sure, it should be a reinvented squad. And yeah. now hopefully they're able to turn that around and market it hopefully. and maintain uh, baseball in Ottawa. All right, so moving on, we're going to go from the micro of the Can-Am League to the macro of the Can-Am League and talk about their international uh, series that was just announced earlier this week. And it will be the fifth time that they have an international series. And basically what that is, they are a six-team league, and they bring in two foreign teams to play a couple of series against everybody else. Uh, this year will feature the, Can the Cuban national team. First, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and I hope I pronounce this right, <laughs> Shikoku Island League All-Stars. Uh, it's just the Island League is the name of the league. Uh, Shikoku is the uh, sponsor of the league, so right. their name is there. Mm -hmm. uh, these games will be played from June 14th to the 4th of July. Okay. Uh, this is the third time each team does make an appearance in the Can-Am League. Uh, after this, the Cuban team will go to the Pan-Am Games at the conclusion of the series. So this is kind of a warm-up for them. Kind of like uh, how you see friendlies in soccer before World Cups and things right. like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very similar to that. Uh, this is the third straight year that the Cubans will be here. And Shaiku returns for the first time since 2016. Okay. They replace the Dominican Republic team. Yeah, the Dominican Republic was a lot of fun uh, last year. And, th and these games are always great. 
Um, you know, anytime we can go, you get you get to go. We've gone many times to these games. Of course. Uh, that, that they're just so much fun, and, and the players have fun with it on both sides, and it's very competitive baseball. It's great baseball, and it's really a good chance for the Cuban team as well as uh, the Japanese team to to do this, do uh, a good job of kind of getting ready for their season. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to go school and see all these different uh, regions of baseball that you don't normally see. Yeah. It's just it's nice to see that. So, it's just I like seeing stuff like that. Uh, plus, I've not seen like an actual like Japanese team pick up and play. Yeah, true. I, I haven't seen seen that either, and I think that'll be really interesting to see them live and in the states. And it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be great. Right, because you get to see the different styles of baseball. Because yeah. every nation has like a specific kind of style. Like, sure. like some will have more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure we all know various types. You know? Sure. I mean, the Dominican Republic, they got a very loose style of play, as we saw last year. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese team's going to be a lot more strict uh, in terms of their base running. They're gonna, everything's going to be really clean. Uh, their pitching tight. staff, yeah, their pitching staff is going to be really good. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, it'll be very interesting to see where uh, the Japanese team ranks in, in terms of how good they are compared to the Can-Am League. Because the Can-Am League's got a lot of good baseball players in there. I mean, you've seen it now with a lot of guys going off to major league teams. There's good baseball being played there. So. Oh, yeah, no, you definitely get to see that. And that's something that I'm always interested in is, like, you see how other nations, uh, even their minor league teams, like uh, with the Island All-Star team sure. and some of these other lesser, I don't want to say they're like the B squad for the nations, but they kind of are. I mean, right. Obviously, the Dominicans not bringing their A squad there. Their A right. squad's playing higher up. But you get to see how their nation compares to kind of like the same level of play with us. And it's just a nice kind of benchmark there. Plus, it has to be better than Selena Stockade last year. True, yeah, they were really rough last year. They, yeah, no, they, I don't think we, we we saw them in Sussex County and in, in uh, New Jersey yeah. and, and with the Jackals. Um, and both times they were just terrible. It was awful. Uh, you could tell they're a Pecos League team. That's oh, yeah. Thing. Like, they were just dragged out there. Not, not to hate on the Pecos League, but, you but, know. Yeah, it was worse just all the Hollywood stars played up in Canada. I think it was against Quebec. Mm-hmm. They got smacked. Yeah, they bad. Like, that's yeah. the thing. I, when you see, like, these other teams come in, you want to see a competitive game. Definitely. And you're just not going to get that kind of a competitive game against a league like the Pecos. Like, that's to be blown at the bottom of the independent spectrum. Right, no doubt. And I, and I think also, yeah, the Can-Am League, it goes to the Can-Am League just putting out a good product. Year after year, they do it consistently. And, um, you know, they're, they're right there with the Atlantic League. So, I mean, they do a great job. Exactly. It's a quality league, and I'm going to be interested in seeing it come forward. And as we talk yeah. about later, uh, when High Point comes into the league, the Atlantic League next year, right. they brought in a Can-Am League guy to manage, and they're yeah. bringing in some Can-Am League guys there to play for them. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how a lot of those guys make that next jump. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on now to the Indie Ball tryouts. So it's basically what you thought. It's just the tryouts for each league here. Uh, some leagues are going to have multiple tryouts. Uh, I know, like, with the, Amer- with the Frontier League, actually, they're going to have a bunch of individual team tryouts, as well as one general league one. Uh, but let me go ahead and just quickly run through each of these uh, different categories, and then we'll d- dive into each one of them. Okay. All right. So we're going to have a j- there's going to be a joint session, first and foremost. That's going to be February 12th through the 15th. So that's in the coming weeks. It's about two weeks away. And that's going to take place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's going to be 250 for four days, 150 for two days, and 100 for one day. So if you're planning on attending, that's what's going to run you mm-hmm. to just show up there. Uh, the first two days are going to be in Texas. The last two are going to be at the uh, Claiborne Rail Raiders Stadium. That is an American Association team. 
And speaking of the American Association, they're one of the three leagues that will be there. It's the American Association, Frontier League, and Pacific Association. Those three will be in attendance to watch it. Yep. Now, the premier one, the Atlantic Leagues. There we go. <laughs> uh, obviously, they're the height of the independent world. They're the ones who get the most guys signed here. Sure. And their trials are going to be from March 29th to the 31st in Lakeland, Florida. So it will be in the home, the spring training home of the Detroit Tigers. That's yeah. where they're, they're going to be. If you have experience at the MLB level, AAA level, or previously had experience in the Atlantic League, it will only cost you 150 for the tryout. That is for all three days. Double uh, A or lower, it will run you 250. They are promising 20 plus major league teams in attendance, as well as other independent league teams. So there's a high chance of you getting signed to a contract. So much so that they guarantee eight players will be signed. So there's going to be at least eight contracts handed out over that period of time. That's great. I mean, you know, you think about the Can the Atlantic League. Definitely the crown jewel if we're talking about yeah. uh, independent league baseball. And Lakeland, Florida is as good as it gets, man. You know <laughs> Exactly. You're going to a spring training home of a major league team. Yep. So you're going to have good facilities there, and they will have just moved out. So you're still going to have a lot of those scouts still lingering around from spring training, too. So you can't really ask for a much better setup there. Can't than that. beat it. Great but. facilities, great weather. Oh, man. Right. I, I, maybe I'll go try it. <laughs> <laughs> you shot it. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then we got the Can-Am League. They're going to be in Sanford Stadium in Sanford, Florida. That is going to be April the April 2nd and April 3rd. April 2nd's hours run 11 to 5, 9 to 2 on the 3rd. It'll be 150 for both days. There is no other price listed, so I assume you got to pay 150 if you only want to go one day. Right. Uh, all Can-Am League managers will be in attendance, so every Can-Am League team is going to be there, and there will be a player selection draft after the April 3rd date. So basically, how I assume this is going to work is Can-Am League going to sign you to a contract, and then from there your contract will be selected. That's how I assume that works. Yeah, I, I think that that would be that would be how it would work. I, I'm not exactly positive on that one, but I definitely believe that it, it would be probably... You, you get signed to the contract, and then the uh, the team picks up that contract as you get drafted. Yeah, that, that's how my assumption would work, because I know that's how it works with, like, uh, the Alliance of American Football draft. Right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how it was. You just signed with the league, and then from there, you were selected. Yep. So I assume that's how it works. Maybe it just works that they draft you, and then they try and negotiate a contract with you, and then if that falls through. But uh, who knows? Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on from there... We have the final draft, or final tryout, mm -hmm. which does also include a draft, which will be the Frontier Leagues. That is from the 22nd of April to the 23rd at Juliet Route 66 Stadium in Juliet, Illinois. Uh, there's going to be a lot of independent tryouts, though, for each of these teams. Most of them are between $60 and $100 to try out, and they, those dates range from as early as the 16th of March to as late as the 22nd of May. And most of them just take place in the morning and they run there. But a lot of these guys, they have, uh, like, divided up. So batters will come in first and pitchers will come in first. And they all have their own individual thing. We'll have all the information linked in show notes if you want to go ahead and take a look at that. It's just so hard to go ahead and run through each one and go, right. okay, let's see, uh, Claiborne, they're going to have their whatever tryout yeah. from this to this and then basically do that ten times over. Yeah, and so. also if, if anyone has any, you know, any want for uh, you know this information just reach out to us we'll be happy to provide it with you whether in show notes comments or uh, just 
you know, send us an email or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, we're more than happy to do that. It's just I'm going to be curious to see how many players actually get signed from these tryouts. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. I think you know it's a, it's great to be able to add the community in like this. It's yeah. always fun. These tryouts are always fun, no matter where uh, you go. Whether you know the NFL has done it a couple of times, yeah. the Eagles did it once or twice. Uh, so when the, when this happens, especially in professional sports, it's a lot of fun for guys to kind of go and see. Okay, this is my next step, or maybe this is my last chance, and. Or maybe this is my first chance. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, and, and you have to assume that a lot of the guys that started, like, let's say, the, the Atlantic League or the yeah. American Association, they're still going to be in some form of independent league ball for the majority of the year, even if you don't yeah. make it there. Because, like, especially with the Atlantic League, there's going to be other teams in attendance. Oh, yeah. Like, from their dates there, you got to assume that Can-Am League's going to be there, American's going to be there, Frontier's probably going to be there as well. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of guys there. So, I'm more interested in that, especially from the eight guys that come out of that. Right. Because you never know who you're going to get. That's the thing I like about the Atlantic League. There's always some names that you remember. Like, yeah. Like guys like Brian LaHare. Andy Chavez. Yeah, Andy Chavez, Derek Norris. Yeah. Was, I was surprised to see playing independent league ball. I, I thought was, he was still bouncing around. Yeah, you know? me too. I thought he was still bouncing around. Yeah. That or I thought he was going to go to Japan and play if he couldn't get a contract. I know. That's the thing I was surprised about. But, um... But that shows the, the ever-growing reach, really, of independent league baseball, you know, yeah, and no, the health of it. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I'm interested in, because you go ahead and you see teams, like we're going to talk about in the next segment, you get a new team, but then you're losing that team. That, right. That's what I find very interesting about this. You never really get stability, like we were talking about with Ottawa. Yeah. They're still looking for that stability, but yet you're never really in danger. It's like you just get used to living on the knife's edge, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you look at our, our New Jersey teams here, no. you got uh, you got the Miners, you got the Jackals. Those guys are all, all all been there for a good long time now. Obviously, the Miners are a little bit newer, but the Jackals have been there for a long time. So it's all about, you know, creating that stability within, you know, regions and then, you know, trying to figure it out from there. Exactly. It's all about getting that one mark in there. Like, Somerset's been there for, what, yeah. about 22 years? Yep. Same thing with the Jackals. They're at about 22 Sussex is always an interesting one because they always have a history of bouncing around. Like the Skyhawks lasted like four or five years, then they went away for like three years, and they came back as the Miners. Remember, even before that, there was affiliated ball. They they were weird. Yeah, it's a weird area. I never figured them out. It is a weird area. It's a great stadium, great facility, but uh, you know sometimes these things are difficult. <laughs> you know, it's perfect for that. It's just because it seems like everything points that it works right until it doesn't work. Yeah. I, I just don't get that. I think it's just so highly dependent on the play because there's just no real consistency, but that's just the nature of the business. Right, yeah, I mean, that's it is. If you, that's what it is. If you're winning, then yeah. you're in good shape. If you're not winning, then fans don't show up. Exactly, yeah. A lot of teams just don't get the kind of luxury of being able to go, okay, well, we had a down year. We're going to go ahead and still, you know, draw a crowd. There's right. not a lot, of, a lot of fan groups that can do that. So, you know. Yeah. But. I think the Boulders are one one team that's primarily, you know, put in a good spot where no matter if they succeed or they don't succeed, their numbers will be pretty good. Yeah, no, their numbers are good. Actually, they're ones that, and I'm going to plug the YouTube channel here, <laughs> that I'm planning on going ahead and making a history of video. We're going to be doing a lot of, like, kind of things like that, an ex like explanation of what independent league baseball is, although I assume if you're listening to this, you kind of have a good idea of what it is. Right, yeah, probably. But <laughs> even still, uh, look on the channel for that, but just to tease it quickly, they have a long and interesting history with just getting that stadium built right. and mm -hmm. the contest and like how contested it really is. Yeah. But that thing was built with dirty money. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like. Oh yeah. <laughs> forget which county executive, but the one that pushed it through. Apparently, he went ahead and 
you mix some money around that wasn't supposed to be mixed around, and then that was built with ill-begotten funds, to say the least. Well, there and, you go. <laughs> but now it's standing there, and now there's some kind of... I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. There's some animosity sure. between uh, the Boulders and uh, Pomona and the county of Rockland mm -hmm. over how much that stadium's costing them, because now it's costing them a decent bit, and they're not seeing the return on investment there. Yeah. And that's kind of what's fueling their desire to get into the Atlantic League, because, I mean... We've both seen that stadium. I've seen it multiple times. I think you just went the one time, correct? Yeah, yeah. just once. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's a very yeah. nice thing. It's oh, a beautiful, it's beautiful thing. It's beautiful. great. It's built like on the level of, say, like a double or, dare I even say, a triple A level park. I agree it's with that. It's a very nice ballpark. Oh, yeah, it's as good as it gets. But the thing is, if you're not bringing in money, it right. doesn't really matter. And when you build a ballpark that nice, not to be disparaging towards the Can Am League, but uh, that's not a Can Am League ballpark. It's built. It looks bigger than most Can-Am League parks, True. but also it's a lot nicer just in terms of uh, amenities. A lot of the Can-Am League yeah. parks are great to go and watch a game, um, but they don't have the amenities of these other you know, minor league exactly. ballparks. Because they're just older ballparks. Right. I mean, like, how long has Yogi Bear been there? For oh, yeah, at, at least 25 years. Yeah. Same thing with Skyline. It's been yep. there about 20 years. Uh, same thing goes for like a lot of these other ballparks. Yeah, the, all the Canada ones as well yeah. um, are, are, are either older parks or parks that aren't exactly... Uh, you know, top of the line in terms of, you know, building and money, and it's just so hard to get money for these things. Exactly. Know? So when you build a ballpark specifically for an independent league team, your expectations kind of less being in the realm of the Can-Am leagues, but more in the realm of, like, the Atlantic League. Right. Yep. Because, I mean, like, Somerset's ballparks, I think, are good comparable. Oh, yeah, it's very comparable. It's beautiful. Um, you know, and both both ballparks would do do very well, but it's it's important to, like you're saying, understand the history of, the boulders and how that impacts today and you know where they're going to go from here mm, that's certainly because i know the president sean riley said we want to be the yankees of the independent league and that's yeah, hard to do in the can-am league that's hard to do in the can-am league it'll be hard to do for them the atlantic league as well but i would say that crown probably goes to the patriots yeah. um in terms of consistently being good every year and uh you know they do a lot of stuff in the community as well yeah, especially because if you just want to look at like organizational structure really it's a two dog fight i think between uh, the saint paul saints which have been there and kind yep. of been like the model independent league team mm -hmm. for just so long uh, obviously on the east coast we don't really hear much about them right just partially because of the niche subject that it is mm -hmm. and also because we have other teams and then somerset is the other one if yep. you want to look at just consistency and results Somerset is on the field that team and does a very good job in the community and health. If you really want to make, if you want to get technical about it, Somerset was given money by the Yankees, so yeah, I mean, and they, they have a large that. history of having ex-Yankees or the sons of ex-Yankees right. affiliated with their team. So right now it's a two-dog fight there. Marky Lyle. <laughs> Personally, I have, like, general admission the most. Uh, general admission, that. Uh, that wonderful man. <laughs> wonderful man. He's a little hefty, though, a little hefty. Well, that, yeah. period piece. Period piece. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So let's go to our seventh inning stretch. Basically what we call our section on, uh, we want to talk about something other than Can-Am League Baseball or Independent League Baseball for a minute because, you know, talking about it for hours at a time gets a bit tiring. We right. can do it. We can do it. <laughs> but then I have to do a lot more work to make next week's show. Right. So, yeah. I, you know, I just don't want to do so that. So, it's not about the work. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. No, never about the work. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, being that the Super Bowl is, when you're listening to this tomorrow, yeah. for us, two days from now, mm -hmm. what do we think the end result's going to be there? 
All Brady right. victory or I, I gotta roll with Tom Brady. I'm I'm rolling with the goat. Uh, I understand, you know, Goff is great. Um, oh. but I think Goff, the thing with Jared Goff is I feel like Sean McVay is the head of the quarterback and Jared Goff's just the arm that's throwing the ball. If you see him during the game, he's down the line screaming at him, screaming yeah, at him. He's like, keeps him off from banging the rest and stuff. Yeah, he's like, Jared, throw it here. So, I, I mean, I, I like both of them. I think Jared Goff will develop into uh, the next, probably the, one of the next one of the great quarterbacks in the league. Um, but I, I do, for this game at least anyway, I think Tom Brady holds the mantle. And then, you know, passes the torch to Goff and Mahomes in, in a couple of years from now. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to agree with New England, but for different reasonings. Okay. Tom Brady has proven results. That's what he is. He's a proven winner. No doubt. He has that. Plus, as long as you have Belichick there, he's going to pull some sort of voodoo dark magic, regardless <laughs> of who his quarterback is. Brady could get knocked down the first play, Hoyer come in, yeah. and Hoyer will have the best day of his career, like 25 or 34 350 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and then run for like 25 on the ground too with a touchdown. <laughs> Former Cleveland Brown legend Brian Hoyer. <laughs> <They> kept them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, you want to get Baker. So. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. But the reason I'm, just, I'm not a fan of the Rams is just simply because Todd Gurley hasn't been getting going. And so without Todd Gurley going, you're become a really one-dimensional offense because I'm not sure if C.J. Anderson can carry it on his back for well, full four full quarters and just I don't like relying on Jerry Goff for that much. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that gives me pause if I'm New England and I'm saying he's gonna be a problem we have to stop him is Aaron Donald and Indomitian yeah. Sue. You cannot let them get into the backfield. If they get into the backfield and they rush Brady and they hit him, it's done. Yeah. Brady does not like to be rushed. He doesn't like to be hit. He can have a tight pocket and he can do fine there. But the second you're asking him to move, or the second you're asking him to keep getting hit on every single throw. Well, you saw it in the Giants Super Bowl a couple of years yeah. ago, every, you know, when they played him. Even last year against the Eagles. Yeah, even last year against the Eagles, they kept hitting him. And, and he, I mean, obviously he played great. He played unbelievable. Oh, yeah, but, no, he would have been the sole reason they won that game. Right. But, but, you know, that being said, yeah, it definitely, especially up the middle with uh, with Sue, definitely impacts quarterbacks uh, rush up the middle. The other thing that, that gives me a little bit of pause with the, the Patriots as well is they're not really overly talented in a lot of areas. I mean, they're good. They're very good. But the it seems like the Rams have more talent. But, I, you know, like you said, Bill Belichick is the, the master. I'm not going to go against him in a game like this. I'm going to get burned on that one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's the thing. Although Sonny Michel, or Sonny Michel, I Sonny Michel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was screwing me up. But, yeah. <laughs> but he's the guy that could be the X factor in this sure, game, yeah. because if he's able to take enough pressure off of Tom Brady just by running the ball and making them think about that, that changes everything. Oh, everything. Because now Brady has time to work, and you open up a whole nother playbook. Yep. And then you could be royally. Oh, yeah. Royally. You're in for a good time there, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And that's that's going to be something. So final score prediction for it. We both know we want New England. What's uh, it going to be? 20... Seven to twenty-three, New England. All right. I'm gonna say thirty-one twenty-eight, New England. Right. I think it's gonna be kind of a shootout for a while there. The and I'm just going twenty-eight, just because I have a feeling that New England off defense is gonna be bad. Yeah, it's gonna right be bad for a bit. That's something that they started with all year. So I'm yeah, going thirty-one twenty-eight. Huh? All right. So that was all for the seventh inning stretch. Let's get back to the game. Back to baseball. The true American pastime. Really? Come on. 
All right, so as we teased earlier in the show, we're going to go through some of the new teams this year and some of the ones that, well, they're not going to see the light of day in 2019. But before we go ahead and talk about the mortician of Independent <laughs> League ball, we're going to go ahead and talk about the newborns. <laughs> yeah, let's get, the, let's get the newborns in before i got to drop the hammer on the bad news. Exactly. It's more and more fun to talk about the nice stuff and then just go ahead and ruin the lives of, well, mostly Wichita, but the yeah, yeah. two exist, but you're just, they're, the guys aren't being paid anymore. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so let's talk about the new guys. So... We only have two new teams for among the major leagues here. I'm sure Pecos is doing something and sure. all that. But I'm just talking about the four major leagues, Atlantic, Can-Am, American Association, and Frontier League. Those are just going to be the ones we mainly focus on here. And for them, there are two te- two new teams, the High Point Rockers in, of the Atlantic League mm-hmm. and the Milwaukee Milkmen no, of the Milkmen. Amer- <laughs> American's Dairyland. Yeah, yeah. Milkmen. <laughs> and I just swear to God, I want that mascot. Before, because we're going to dive into them second here. Okay. So just before we get into this really hard, <laughs> if, their, if their mascot is not a cow in like a milkman <laughs> suit, I'm going to be so disappointed. You're going to go up there and fight it? You're gonna I'm going to personally go to Franklin, Wisconsin. <laughs> and Jamal Adams in it. <laughs> go ahead and choose my very like F-minus list celebrity credit right now. And go, look, I run a podcast and I got to say you guys don't know what you're doing. <laughs> They're a bunch of jokers. Please, please. You don't have any idea. Get out of here. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> All right, so let's go to high point here. Get yeah. away from this for a minute before <laughs> yeah. we really go off the rails. Yeah, before we go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> All right, so high point rockers, they are replacing the road warriors, which replaced the Bridgeport Bluefish, right. who did not make it past their 20th year. Great name, though, Bluefish, great name. I know, yeah, Fall Park wasn't bad either. He no, apparently had a restaurant attached to that. Really? I didn't realize that. That's really cool, know, yeah. But the problem is they're in Bridgeport. Yeah, that is, that's the, a that is the issue, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the area is a little bit... Uh, run down. Run down, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It needs to be revitalized, as real just would say. It's up and coming. It's up and coming, yeah. <laughs> So, they're going to be, obviously, in High Point, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They are going to be called the Rockers after the furniture that's made in the region. Oh, right. Their, that's their logo, which, for those watching on the YouTube version, you will see the logo on screen right around now. And it's a pretty cool logo. It's a rocking chair that's being, like, blasted off in the space. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's <laughs> a nice logo. That is a pretty cool logo. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they will play at the brand-new BB&T. Point. That's it. Just BB&T Point. Okay. It's not stadium, field, ballpark, center, nothing. ballpark. No, just BB&T Point. All right. Named after the bank that has a lot of name rights amongst, and like, I'm sure everyone's heard of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely. Thing. It's just a common sponsor. I don't know it why. It's a common sponsor. Yeah. yeah. And as we were saying earlier, there is a Pan Am League guy that is managing this team. Right. Jamie Keefe, mm-hmm. a longtime manager of the New Jersey Jackals. And over the past few years, he did manage the Rockland Boulders, mm-hmm. the Boulder Dash there. Yeah. And their and their pitching coach is former major leaguer Frank Viola. Yeah, there you go. They will play in the Atlantic League Liberty Division, and their first game is in Lancaster against the Barnstormers on ah. the 26th of April. And if you want to be there for their home opener, the first game in the brand new ballpark, very fancy, very clean, just the best. <laughs> And that will be on May the 2nd versus the Sugarland Skeeters. Oh, yeah, the Sugarland Skeeters. Yeah, I think the, the, the Rockers are going to be really great for the High Point area. 
Obviously, the college, High Point University, is beautiful. Uh, I think it's one of the best campuses in, in the nation in terms of, you know, amenities and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, it, and they did a really great job of growing themselves and the area economically is doing well. So, I definitely think that this is the right time uh, to put in that minor league uh, team and really, you know, enhance the area and enhance, uh, you know, and just enhance the, uh, the experience of High Point, North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a perfect addition for the Atlantic League because... Having the one team out in Texas just didn't really didn't make any real sense yeah, no, to me. And, like, I don't understand. Like, they're the only team that has to fly around a bunch. Yeah. But adding this team in North Carolina, I think, is nice. It shows that they're really going ahead and going more from that central uh, northeastern location, mid-Atlantic region. Right, yeah. And expanding farther south. And it really does make me uh, excited to see where they're going to go to in the future. Yeah. Because one of my big things I like watching is, like, where new teams show up, how they get formed. Yeah. It's just, and so far, they've done it all right. High Point definitely makes a lot of sense for the area and all that. Uh, more so than just that, I think it's going to be a, a real success here because you're going to have, like you said with the university right there, yep. you're going to have a lot of fresh talent, not only just on the field product, sure. but in the actual operation running, you know, day-to-day -day sales and whatnot. Yeah. Obviously, the uh, these internships that you're going to get free from that university is going to be like a pipeline yeah. there. Yeah. Kind of like with Montclair State and the Jackals there. Sure. Yeah. Similar situation going there. But you're also going to be able to retain some very, uh, the success of the guys that really work out in that front office. You're going to be able to go ahead and bring them in there. And being in North Carolina doesn't hurt either. The location there is very nice. And you're able to kind of maintain a year-round kind of operation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, you look at things like uh, you know Centenary University, they, mm -hmm. they do a good job of marketing their shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. Um, yeah, and, and they do a really great job of send, sending their their kids to different minor league ballparks, and that really does help to um, help both the clubs and the university, but definitely the clubs, uh, because if you think about it, when you're looking at a, a, a minor league team. Yeah, you know, they're not paying their staff, you know, a whole lot. Oh yeah, no, no, they're not being paid. <laughs> yeah, they're not being paid, and so if you can have these internships, they're great for the students, and it's going to be a really symbiotic relationship between the team and the university. I think when the team does well, the university will do well uh, also, and then and vice versa. And but then when it, when things are going, if things start going not so good, I think the both will. Uh, you know, have the benefits and the drawbacks from it. Exactly. The only thing here, and one thing I'm interested in, is how much of a say at High Point you have in bringing this team Probably here. a lot. Because I know they're building another new facility in, I believe, the actual town of High Point, or right. city of High Point, whatever maybe. Right. Yeah, for basketball and things like that. And I have a feeling they have a lot of pull in High Point. I'm sure someone that lives in the area would have a lot better of uh, a take on that. But sure. I, I want to know how much of a say do they have in all of this. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, the, you know, definitely they would have a lot. I mean, it's a big university, uh, ever-expanding, and they do a great job. So I would definitely uh, I would definitely say that they would have a lot of pull, or more pull than some universities have over other towns. You know, you look at Boston College and things like that. Uh, you know, they don't really have a lot of pull over Boston just because there's so many schools in the city. Well, they're not even in Boston. Yeah, they're, they're not even in Boston. Yeah. I mean, like, God. Uh, it's, it's hardly even enough to call it a Boston school, really. It's not a Boston school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, go, go Terriers. But, and go Terriers, yeah. But um, the only thing that does give me pause about High Point is how they were supposed to have a hotel being constructed right around now. That whole area is supposed to be developed here. I'll link uh, one of the articles we have on the whole development region and specifically on the failure of the hotel, like I'm about to say. Right. And the hotel fell through. 
and then did have a Baltimore contract, and when the contract made a statement as to why the whole thing fell through, they said there was just no real communication, there was no plan, there was no funding, there was no, there was nothing. I, I, we were basically left holding a bag here of what the hell's in the bag. Yeah, so, right. the lack of communication there does worry me. I'm not so much sure if that's a ball club specific issue, but the way I kind of interpreted that article was that the ballpark's supposed to be kind of the crown jewel of the area. And around this, we're going to have the shops, have the apartments, have the hotel, have the restaurants. And so if already the first thing fell through, right, it's only hotels, and so the only people really using them would be like vacationers, those going on college visits, incoming right. teams, things like that, it doesn't really put a lot of confidence in me that the shops are going to be done correctly and on time, the restaurants are going to be done correctly on time, the apartments are going to be done correctly on time. And it does give me some pause for concern there that well, that may not be done. You know, the thing is, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Obviously, this is from one one side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that you know these things happen in business. Things deals fall through. Things don't work. Uh, but it's very very early in their process. I'd like to see how they do three or four years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be more fair to make that assessment of whether they're doing well or how their structure is running. But I definitely think that you do need a hotel in the area, and to have to see it fall through is, is a negative um, early It's a negative. black mark. I mean, that it much is, is for certain. Obviously, like you're saying, it's way too early to tell. Right. Um, we're not even at first pitch yet. Nope. So we can't really <laughs> even say it's going to be a success or a failure yet. Right. But there's a lot working for it, and that's really the only thing I saw that gives me a little bit of concern. A little bit. Obviously not much, though. I mean, we're talking about new ballparks and places to be really excited about. I'm still very excited about High Point. And, you know, I I hope to get down there uh, in in the summer and, uh, and, you know, definitely take a look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and then the only thing that may be of concern is its proximity to Greensboro and with an affiliate team there. But I don't really feel like it's going to affect it much. I mean, you go ahead and take a look at um, the whole, like, northern New Jersey... Pennsylvania region, sure, yeah. there's plenty of independent league teams. Really, I think this is one of the hot spots of independent league baseball. It really is, And yeah. so, well, yeah, you see a couple fade out every, like, five, six years. Mm-hmm. You still have, like, the pillars like the Jackals, like the Patriots, that do go ahead and have a lot of success. And so I don't really feel like it's going to be that much of an issue. Plus, I think they kind of serve a similar demographic but two different ones. You know, so. Right. Certainly, I mean, I, I think that they serve a separate demographic and, you know, the, the affiliated club in Greensboro is going to do their own thing. The High Point Club is going to do their own thing. And their fan base is going to be from different areas as well. And even if they do overlap, you know, it's a lot of fun to be able to run from one game to the next. And Exactly. You know, go ahead. Like we did the one, uh, like, gauntlet game there where we yeah. did, like, three in a day. Three in a day. I mean, yeah. So it, it's not I – don't, I think it helps it more so that, you know, it makes baseball fans – have a lot of options in the area, yeah. so I think it's better than uh, it's not. Then also the fact that it's in the Atlantic League, I think, helps it too, because right. they're one of the few, I think they're actually the only league that has any sort of uh, recognition from Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's as, true. As slight as it may be, it's still there, so I think there may be a, maybe not mutual respect, but at least acknowledgement of them. So yeah, I think no that man. will help them. Yeah. So let's go back to the Milwaukee Milkman of the American <laughs> Association, which the thing I love about this it's like this is the most quintessential minor league baseball team. Oh, yeah. Because, well, it's nice if you have, like, uh, one of these smaller teams, maybe that are like the parent clubs, like an affiliated ball, like having, like, the Pawtucket Red Sox, the Syracuse Mets, things like that. Well, it's nice to have that for when they exist for a long time. Mm -hmm. 
when you have things like the New Orleans baby cakes, <laughs> the, I think like the Jackson jumbo shrimp, oh, yeah. the Montgomery <laughs> biscuits, stuff like this. Yeah. It's stupid, but it's fun. And when it's a representation of the culture, like, exactly. like you're saying, with these names, and especially the Milwaukee Milkman, it's, it's just great. It really does bring the, the community closer to the team, which is a very important step in these things, because if you're, if you're making a team in an area, you want to make the fans uh, care about your team, not just because it's baseball or whatever, but because they can identify with, oh, this is the Milkman, you know, obviously dairy capital of the world, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. Exactly, yeah, no, so I like that. It, you're right, it does capture a lot of the local flavor in a way that a professional team really can't. Like, Milwaukee right. has the brewers, and it does make sense. They're a big brewing city. Mm -hmm. I mean, they brew so much beer and whatnot. <laughs> Thank they, God. <laughs> and uh, it does fit them, but you would never see a team called, like, the Bovine or something. No. And that affiliate <laughs> team there. So you can only do so much when you're, like, this giant sports conglomerate that a major league is. Right. So when you have independent league, it really is just like, well, we have like nothing to lose here. Let's just yeah. throw it up to the wall and see what sticks. Full autonomy, right? Yeah. Exactly. So getting into the specifics of the milk win, they will replace the Wichita Wingnuts, mm -hmm. who we will discuss briefly once we get briefly. through this. Yep. The postmortem. <laughs> oh yes, we get to do the autopsy. Oh my god. And be like looking at aliens and Roswell. No, oh, no. <laughs> They will play just outside of Milwaukee in Franklin, Wisconsin, uh, and they will play at the brand new Routine Field, which does look very nice. It looks like an independent league ballpark, uh, in a way comparable to the Jackal Stadium, just by like the setup of it. Uh, if you when you see it in the article that we link, uh, you will see that it has like the open space right. in the outfield that a lot of these teams have, but there's just it's. Very comparable to that, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit touch of like a Skylands mix in there, and obviously much, much newer than right. those ballparks, but that goes without saying. Right, refreshed and exactly. you know, 20, 2019 architecture and building and things like that. You know, just turn of the century things. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and it's also a very clean design, too. Like, that's a right. very modern kind of building. Mm -hmm. uh, their first game is going to be at St. Paul versus the Saints on the 16th of May. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. And then their first home game is going to be just a mere week later on the <clears throat> 22nd of May versus the Chicago Dogs, which is another great team great name. name yeah. You know, after a hot dog and whatnot. And I love their logo too because yeah. they, like the, they got some pinks and some light blues and stuff yeah. in there. So it looks almost like a neon sign. It does, yeah. it's a very, I like the logo a lot. I do like that logo. Uh, yeah, I think that that'll be really, really a lot of fun to see them uh, kind of take off a little bit. Um, my only concern will be that May twenty second, it's going to be cold in Milwaukee. Uh, so you, know, you just got to be, you know. But anywhere really, even the Northeast teams deal with that a little bit early in the season. But starting mid May is really good for the for the yeah, Can-Am exactly. job. It's based. I mean, like with the American Association. Uh, yeah. American Association. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, but. The thing is that I'm looking at here that I'm concerned about is how being that close to the Brewers will affect it. Right. A lot of times we don't really see these teams in the major markets. I mean, obviously you'll have, like we've been saying, the suburban New York teams, and you have two uh, major teams in New York, but they're not directly in the city competing against them. Right. Being just outside of Milwaukee, Milwaukee doesn't have the same urban sprawl that a New York has, that a Boston has, that a DC has, and an LA has. So it does give me some concern there that you're going to be losing a lot of business to them. Yeah. However, there's just not a lot of uh, 
baseball, I believe, in that area. Really, it's the Brewers, and there may be a couple others I'm not really thinking of at the moment. If so, someone please correct me on that. But Well, definitely, I think uh, independent league baseball uh, anywhere, but certainly in Milwaukee, will be a great alternative uh, mm-hmm. to the Brewers because Brewers games are expensive. You know, MLB games yeah, they are definitely expensive. can get expensive. That's the thing. Uh, and that's the one thing that uh, indie league teams need to watch out for Right. is keeping their costs down here. Where basically, it's like we were saying with Ottawa, it's that corporate sponsorship where you're starting to make your money back on right. because you have to keep game day low because it's really families, young people, and then the elderly that are going to right. the game, <laughs> and all those people are on a budget. Right, you can't be over you know, ten, fifteen dollars a ticket, you know. Exactly, you got to be in that range. You can't outprice your concessions. They got to be competitive, otherwise people will just eat before they get to the game. Uh, Give shop, you can kind of charge whatever you want because most yeah. time people, it's a one-time buy. <laughs> like, you're not really buying five hats, three different sweatshirts. Most of us aren't. <clears throat> nah, well, I, uh, I wouldn't know anyone that would do that. Oh, uh, well, well, guilty as charged. But, yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, obviously for the for the more casual fan of these teams, it's not going to be, you know, it's like you're saying, it's a one-time buy. If it's 25 bucks, 30 bucks for a hat, you're going to pay it so you can have your miner's hat or your milkman hat or whatever you want to say. Exactly, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in them, but I do like how they are going towards more urban areas. I think that could be something that may work out very well. I agree. So let's go ahead and continue on into the mortician section of this. Oh, no. And we got three folded teams this year. Yep. Two in the Frontier League, one the American Association. We're going to start that American Association team in the Wichita Wingnuts. Uh, poor Wingnuts. They have folded. That means yeah. they do not exist. They have not moved to another league. They have not been, you know, changed names. They haven't done anything like that. Nope. They are just straight up gone, dead, gonzo, done, daisies. Finny. Exactly. They got whacked. <laughs> you know... They're afraid of, they went in the boat, and yeah, come back. and I come back. Yeah. So, this mostly has to do with two things. Uh, their home stadium, Lawrence Dumont Stadium, mm-hmm. it's done, it's closed, it's being torn down. Oh, really? Wow. What was it, property Property issues? Disputes? Not exactly, it has to do with the second factor. Oh. So, the New Orleans AAA affiliate, the baby cakes like we were making fun of their name earlier, Yep. they're moving to Wichita in the okay. near future, I believe in two years. Okay. And they're building a brand new stadium. Now, you need land to build a stadium on. You know where you could go ahead and find that land? There's the already d- another stadium. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you know where you're not going to get any fight on that? When the stadium's very old and decrepit and needs to be torn down because it doesn't really have much historical significance. Yeah. And certainly not to the greater scope of baseball. Sure. That's where you can find land real easy. Yep. So... They're kind of homeless. They weren't really turning a large <laughs> profit. And you have a new affiliate team coming in anyway. So right. I'm sure the discussion kind of went like this with ownership. We could go ahead and try to find a temporary solution here in Wichita or in the surrounding Wichita area. But we're just going to be forced out in two years anyway. Is it worth it? Probably not. No. Yeah. I'm going to cut my losses. Better to cut the losses. Um, you know, it's a shame because you always hate to see uh, leagues lose teams and, you know, fans lose teams. I mean, you know how painful that is. Uh, certainly, I know how painful that is. Um, and, uh, you know, it's difficult to, uh, when you recover, to recover from these things. And, you know, because sports has played such a huge role in people's lives and, 
So obviously we, we feel for these teams, but sometimes, like you're saying, this is about progress. This is, you know, there'll be a new team there in the same spot in a couple of years. It's just, you know, wait it out. Exactly. While it does suck for the community, you're going to go without baseball for a little bit. Right. And it's probably not going to be the same baseball you're used to because it's just, it's different now. Yeah. You have had affiliated teams there in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, Wichita Wranglers, which is what the Wingnuts came in to replace when they moved. Right. So it's not like you're going to be gone forever. Really, the people that lose here are those about 20 roster spots that yeah. are being lost here, that aren't, they're going to need to find somewhere else to go to. And so while it does suck there, it's just the way of the future. Like you're saying, it's progress. It's going to be progress. a new ballpark. It's a business at the end of the day. Yep. And there's only so many losses you can take before you say, you know what, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah. So it's unfortunate as it is. Uh, I think baseball in Wichita obviously works. Obviously, if there's an affiliate team that goes in that spot, if anything, it's a compliment to the fans it rather is. than an indictment. Yep. Because clearly... It works, and that's why they want to put an affiliated team there. Right. So, yeah. well, it is interesting, though, is what happens with New Orleans now. I think they're getting a double-A team, but where is that double-A team, double team coming from? Right, yeah. So, where, and where do they go? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, where in the city? Exactly, yeah. Well, I'm sure they're just going to the old stay and vacate with the triple-A team, but, yeah, but who, gets, who has to lose their team from that? And as a result of losing the team there... Are we going to get a new independent league team in that uh, in that city? In the spot, yeah, that would be really nice. Exactly. So, I mean, for now, it doesn't look great, but anything can happen. As sure. we know, with independent league balls, teams kind of spring up over time. Oh, yeah. And later on, when we start getting deeper into episodes, I do have a bit of a theory going on with Atlantic City, Rockland, oh. and Pawtucket that we'll go into uh, in more depth at a later time. But uh, with a new franchise possibly on the way, there too, with those other cities I listed, right. maybe Atlantic League comes in and grabs one, maybe American goes ahead and grabs one. Obviously, uh, they're net neutral now. They have Milwaukee coming into our place, Wichita. Right. So, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal, but... Maybe a Canadian League expansion, you never know. Possibly. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I'm surprised there's nobody in New England. Yeah, I know. That, that would make a lot of sense in terms of, you know, just geography, you know. Yeah. Like, I always thought, like, Massachusetts would have had one. I know they had, I know Brockton had teams in that move to summer collegiate. Right. So I'm surprised there's no one in that whole spot there. Like, maybe New Hampshire. Maybe. Nasha had a team for a while. Yeah. So maybe something there. Maybe Vermont. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean. Maine. Maine. Because Bangalore had a team for a yeah. bit there, and then they folded. So I'm, it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see where new teams spring up. And we'll keep everyone updated on this uh, as it goes through. Anything we hear, we'll immediately relay uh, to our audience. Of course, because we are trying to be the number one source of independent league baseball. Of course, no doubt. Yep. So moving on to our other two uh, nets in the family. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the normal corn belters and the Travis City Beach Bums will be leaving the Frontier League. Yep. With the corn belters, also another terrific name. Great name. Logo is even better. Because it, if anyone hasn't seen the logo, I'm going to find out. I'm going to put it in the uh, YouTube version of this, and I may put it in the show notes if I remember. <laughs> but it's a, basically an ear of corn that has, like, two parts of the stock pulled back on it. <laughs> and it's holding a bat over its shoulders like it's from a 50s gangster movie Aww. about the Drake's on its leg. And it's just, it's just, like, an awesome logo. And I really wish they would have stuck around because I would have definitely bought a shirt or a oh, hat yeah, or something. Because that's just like a terrific logo there. Yeah. But they are going to be, they're an interesting case, and we'll dive into that in just a second here. Okay. 
but uh, they're going to be moving to the, I believe it's the Hannibal Prospect League, okay. which is the third best summer collegiate league. Right. This is obviously a move to just cut down on cost and whatnot. Yeah. I imagine normal uh, Illinois, I believe it is in, or normal Iowa, one of the two. I don't, uh, I didn't do much research on that, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I imagine it's not a bustling economy. So you like to cut down costs, especially when a new group buys a team, you're not buying yeah. a team and, you know, running the same way the last guy did if it wasn't wildly successful. Right. As for Traverse City, they'll move to the Northwest, in our Northwoods League, respectively, my mistake. Uh, that is also another summer collegiate league, yeah. although they have been renamed from the Beach Bums. Uh, I do not have that name with me at the moment. However, it was just announced recently, and it is a, it's a decent name. Yeah, we'll find it. We'll yeah, find not it. <laughs> not enough for me to write it down because it just it's not the same as the Beach Bums. Which, oh yeah. I mean, like let's be honest here. It had a teddy bear playing baseball on the beach yeah, or on cool. the shores of of the Great Lakes. Oh, Traverse City, man, it's a great place. Great place. Prospect told me every year for hockey there. Oh yeah. So. Whilst we go ahead and uh, we'll be getting the information that I had sadly omitted, such as the location of where normal actually is, <laughs> which I don't really think I can be blamed for, because who the hell names a town normal? This is the most infuriating thing since going to the Jersey Shore and, being, and seeing towns named Brick. Brick, I mean... Whoa! Like, what the hell? Did a mason come through and just start naming stuff? <laughs> like, did someone on a frontier when I can go ahead and run into normal and go, you know what? This is a pretty normal place. That sounds like a damn fine name. This place is going to be called normal from now on. <laughs> like, who thinks of that? But so it's the, the Traverse City Pit Spitters. The Pit Spitters. Yeah, that's the Pit Spitters. That is what the beach bones have been turned into. Can someone from, like, the Traverse City area, the greater Traverse City area, let me know what the hell that has to do with your area. Yeah, leave in the comment. Explain to us what a what a pit spinner is. We'd be, we we we'd even we'd even love to have you have someone you know call in maybe one time and explain to us what a pit spinner is. Like I assume it's just someone that eats a piece of fruit and then has pits in the fruit and just starts spitting them out. Like I know maybe. the logo is like an apple or something there. Yeah. So I assume it has something to do with like orchards and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but it just doesn't... No, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> I don't really know much about that. Any case, so we're going to go with, uh, we're going to do our deep dive now because I've been teasing this for long enough about what's happening to the normal corn belters. Normal of the great state of, as I look this up, but you're not really supposed to know that. <laughs> it is Illinois, I guessed right. Hot damn. Look at that. <laughs> No one ever should doubt my guessing abilities. I will, well, well, I mean, doubt everything, but just not the guessing abilities. Just exactly. See, when I sound like I have no, when I sound like I have notes and whatnot, that's when you should be really concerned. You're right, yeah, that's... <laughs> you know, that's the real concerning bit there. So, let's go ahead and get into the dive on the uh, normal corn belters, shall we? So, technically, the corn belters we know and love they technically folded. Okay, so the original normal corn builders no longer exist. However, however, in this prospect league, there will be a team that is playing out of the, and I am not making this up, corn crib. That is their ballpark for those that don't know. They call it the corn crib. I, I, we're going to normal. I just want to let you know that. 
Well, see, now if I've installed the normal, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to go. Uh, well, I'll go. I'll go to normal. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give you the camcorder. You can do a block. Yeah. <laughs> On-scene reporting. <laughs> On-scene reporting from normal Illinois. <laughs> exactly. So, they will maintain the name. They will play in the same ballpark and have the city of normal's name as their location. Just they will not be the former corn belters. They will be new corn belters. The abnormal corn belters, if you would. The abnormal corn belters. There right there, I think that's in the episode name right there. The abnormal corn belters. The abnormal corn belters. There you go. You always find it, but you least expect it. <laughs> so they were basically purchased by the normal corn belters. Yes, that's the name of the group that purchased them. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm really saying since there's not much creativity. There's a lot of corn. They want to be known as the corn Look, belters. We're very <laughs> proud of our corn. Yes. We love our corn. It is simply the best. Look, we love the corn. Corn on the cob. Corn stew. All right, sorry. Sorry, the people of normal. We're we're going off the rails. <laughs> well, when you're dealing with people from New Jersey, this is this means we like you. This if we weren't doing like this, we would think of you the same way we think of Connecticut. That's not a good thing. I'm not That's not a compliment. Bridgeport, I'm not sorry that you lost your team. I'm not. I'm coming for you, New Britain. Oh, no. In any case, so they were, bought, they were purchased by normal corn belters. That's a uh, pseudo-investment group that includes Rick DeStefani, Jimmy Lawson, and Matt Stembridge. They are the operators of Play 9 Sports, which did briefly follow us. I'm just saying, for some reason, they're not anymore. Not calling you out. We're but calling you out, totally. I slapped them calling you out. I'm just wondering why the hell you didn't continue to follow us. I mean, it's not like costing anything, but you know. Hey, you know, look. Well, what we're saying is, is follows are cheap. Exactly. <laughs> they don't cost anything. And you know, for one follow a day, you can keep our delusion going. That's yeah, all we're saying. Yeah, come on. But in any case, they're just going to be moving to that. Uh, Play 9 also operates the Hannibal Hoots mm-hmm. and the, the Gems. Gems play. I had this committed to memory, and then oh. I forgot. But the gems are also another uh, prospect league team. They do right. run them, mm-hmm. so that's generally what it is. And then uh, Stembridge is the GM of the Hoots, right. or at least at one time was. So they are baseball people. That's why they bought them when they just moved to the summer league. But that's been rumored for a while. Right. Uh, going back to 2017, it was wondering, are they going to be there in 2018? Are they going to be there in 2019? Right. And finally, the shoe dropped. Uh, uh, well, at least I think that you know this is a positive step. Uh, you know, you know, people of normal have not lost their team. Uh, just obviously, it's been reshaped a little bit, um, dropped down. But hey, you know what? You're still watching baseball, and uh, you know, I think it'll still be still be a good product. Exactly. Sure. At the end of the day, you still have a product. You still have something there. Yep. That's the thing with all these teams. You still have baseball to watch, or are going to have baseball to watch in the very near future. Yeah, no doubt. It's all about surviving for these teams. It's all about going to the next year and uh, doing whatever you got to do. Because there's a lot of fans that are really passionate about independent league baseball, obviously like ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's really important to remember that. Exactly. So, I mean, like, just because you lost the team doesn't mean you're not going to get one back in the future. Yep. It happens dozens of times. And the fans still keep their team. Once again, those players are the losers here. You'll lose out on so many jobs here. Right. However, I imagine Frontier League loses two teams here in Normal and Tra- in Traverse City. Uh, you have to be looking at the health of the league. That's you a bit do. concerning. However, I'm sure it's a healthy enough league that give it two, three, four years, they'll probably be looking to expand again. Right. As of right now, it seems like the normal ebb and flow of uh, independent league baseball for now. 
but if it continues on this trend, we're going to have to start asking questions about the health of the league and you know what the future is uh, for the Frontier League. Exactly, but right now, it's I don't think it's much of concern. If it happens again next year, then there should be some fire alarms going off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But until then, it's something that we're going to watch. Obviously, you got to look at the health of it. You got to look at attendance numbers yep. and kind of go from there. And uh, you know. Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on it uh, throughout the upcoming season. Uh, for those of you listening, we'll, we, we're gonna we're planning on tracking all of the attendance numbers we can get our hands on um, for all these teams. Obviously, sometimes it's, it's usually self-reported, so these numbers are difficult to get a hold of. Exactly. Uh, but we'll do our best as uh, that we can. Exactly. Accuracy is kind of hard to get, but you know, at the end of the year, I know uh, Ballpark Digest does publish numbers there. Yep. Uh, 2018 numbers are out. They came out in September, mm-hmm. so we'll go ahead and review that each individual league when we do our league previews yep. later in the year. So that's something to watch out for. So then to finish up here with Traverse City, the, their ballpark and the team were purchased by an investment group that is also the ownership group of the Michigan Whitecaps. That's a single-A affiliate in uh, in Michigan, obviously. Right. So they're moving to a summer league as well. I assume it's the same reasons of just business is better and when you don't have to pay players because they're collegiate players. Yeah. So I imagine that's basically the same thing here. You still have a team. Obviously now they're instead of being the beach bums, you're the pit spitters. Pit spitters, yeah. You're the spitties, you know, like a llama. <laughs> but, or a pack or whatever. Yeah, whatever. A llama-like creature spits a lot. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to, they probably all do. But. Yeah, they have a lot of spitting. I think it's camels. Camels spit. Camels spit too, I know, but I know one of the other ones. They do a lot of, you know what? You know, they're all the sins of each other, though. I know. They yeah, are. yeah, they're all the same. Migration. Migration is amazing, isn't it? (laughs) I don't know, just like all those dozens of fans from the beach bums that are going, why are they talking about llamas instead of about my team that just died? Yeah. Well, simply because. Well, reborn. Born anew as pit spinners. (laughs) Exactly. You still got a team, and let's be honest here, there's not really much I can say. You got bought out. Yeah. I mean, like, so there's only so much you could do there. Plus, Trevor City is beautiful in the summer, so, hey, you know what? You guys got, you got a lot going you're on. You're on the shores of the Great Lakes. Yeah. You don't got much to complain about at the moment. So, uh, wait, that, that's all we got. Uh, any final words? Any thoughts? Nope. Uh, just, you know, make sure you, you tune in, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on all the information that we get uh, from our sources. And, you know, just make sure that you enjoy uh, our podcast, but also enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. Let's, let's go Patriots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember probably being actually rooting for New England. I know, right? <laughs> I don't even have money on them, but, you know. Yeah, no, 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 well, you know, yep. that makes one of us. <laughs> yep. All right, then, so before we sign off, let's get our plugs in here. Be sure to go ahead and look up Indie Ball Report on YouTube and on Twitter. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. And be sure to visit the website. We go ahead, we put up the show notes there. Occasionally there's articles that pop up there once we start getting into the season. We like to write about things. Yep. Uh, there's also some polls up there for when we have episodes that have uh, questions. Like this week we're going to be asking you, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? And things like that. So be sure to go there, give it a look. Give us a follow, give us a subscribe, and be sure to subscribe to your RSS feed so you keep getting these shows every week. So until then, go out there and uh, play ball.